Morning, please turn with me to uh, Ephesians 5, verse 22 to 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Well, we are coming to the conclusion over the next few weeks on this series of marriage that we have zeroed in on in the middle of our study of Ephesians on what a disciple should look like. I didn't really know what I was going to talk about this morning, so I asked one of our elders, Kurt, to pick a passage that he thought the wives of the church really thought they needed to hear. So he picked that passage on submission, which I was like, Kurt, seriously? No, I won't throw Kurt under the bus. He had nothing to do with it. He just left the room for a reason. Uh, No, but I will throw Pastor Glenn under the bus because Pastor Glenn picked this passage, asked if I would read it, and then went on vacation. So thank you very much for that, Pastor Glenn. Uh, And what could I do? I had to submit. So when we hear the word submit, particularly when it deals with a wife submitting to her husband in our Western culture, in our Americanized, democratic, all men are created equal society, we at the very least start to get uncomfortable in our chairs. And at the very most, we get up out of our chairs and we leave the room. Am I right? We're, we're one of those two camps this morning. But I would say before we take any drastic measures, before you get up and sprint out of the room this morning, I would say, hear me out and hear the Scripture out this morning, and let's see what God has to say to us from Ephesians 5 today. Let's have a word of prayer as we begin. God, please speak to us this morning through Your Word and through Your Spirit May we gain understanding of who you are and what you expect from us. May the message this morning and the congregation this morning be only about speaking and hearing your truth. And may we be drawn to worship you and follow your ways. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There are a few things this morning that I'd like to talk about as kind of a preface to our message this morning. They are on your sermon outline, so if everyone could take out their sermon outline, it's also online. If you want to look on the online bulletin on our website, you can check it out there. But I want to talk about a couple of things as a preface to the reasons why wives should submit to their husbands before we get into that. And the first one is, if we are true disciples of God, then we don't skip passages of the Bible because they may us uncomfortable. Now, that's something that we believe strongly here at Hope, that we preach and teach all of Scripture, no matter if it makes us feel comfortable or not. And there's a reason for that is because in 2 Timothy, Paul reminds us that all Scripture is breathed out by God. In other words, everything that we have here in the Bible comes from the mouth of God. It's why we call it God's Word. So if all Scripture is God-breathed, all of the Bible is inspired by God, then all of it is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. If all of the Bible has its roots, its beginnings from God's own mouth, then we can't take the Bible and, and look at it as if it's written in pencil, taking the parts that we like and highlighting them. Ooh, God is love. Let's circle that, highlight that part. Ooh, the wrath of God is being revealed against that. I'm going to take that part out because I don't like it. So 
we don't skip over the parts that make us uncomfortable. And secondly, as true disciples of God, we read the passages of the Bible that we read in the context in which they were written. Now, let me give you an example this morning. I'm going to give you a true or false question. The question is, the Bible says there is no God. True or false? The Bible says there is no God. Is that true or false? Shout it out. True or false? It was about 50-50. It's actually true. The Bible says there is no God. Now, I could post it on my Facebook. I could make a bumper sticker. I could write a book that says, the Bible says there is no God. It's in Psalm 14.1. We can look it up. The Bible says there is no God. But that would be taking that passage tremendously out of the context in which it was written. So Psalm 14.1 says this in full context, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. So we don't skip passages of the Bible that make us uncomfortable, and it's very dangerous for us to take passages of the Bible out of the context in which they were written. It's as dangerous as saying the Bible says there is no God, because the Bible says that, but the full context of it is very different. And thirdly, as true disciples, as we are thinking about and talking about submission this morning, we understand that submission is actually a sign of godliness. In Philippians 2, Paul uses Jesus as an example of what it looks like to submit. Jesus submitted to the will of God the Father, and so we are to follow His example, to humbly consider others more significant than ourselves. And that's a quote from Philippians 2. If we are truly followers of Jesus, we will look like Jesus. We will act like Jesus. We will submit like Jesus have submitted to those who are placed in authority over us, to our leaders, to our parents, to our pastors and teachers, to our bosses. Ultimately, we are submitting to God. When we willingly choose to submit as Jesus did, it's not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of inferiority. It's a sign of godliness. Okay, so when we look at passages like Ephesians 5, through 24, which Kurt threw on me this morning by picking that for me, which say, wives, submit to your husbands, we don't skip over those passages because they make us uncomfortable or they might make somebody else uncomfortable. We read the passage within the whole of the context that it is given in. So the verse right before it says, submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. That's verse 21. And then the verse right after it, verse 25 says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So that's a tremendous standard at which we are holding the husbands to. We're saying, love like Christ loved. So we have that whole context to use this submission passage in, and we understand then when we talk about submission that it is a sign of godliness. We recognize that making the statement or having the belief that submission is somehow below me because I'm too important or too knowledgeable or too fill-in-the-blank It's not the attitude or the evidence of a true disciple. So that's why we are sometimes called to submit. But what is submission? Submission is almost a swear word in our society, okay? 
But what is submission as we look at it from a biblical standpoint? I have a picture, I think that's a good representation of that. So Chad, could you throw that picture up there? And it's also on your sermon outline this morning. Yes, submission is yielding. Now, when a yield sign is placed at an intersection, I don't think the yield sign was ever placed there to say the cars that are on this road are so much more important than the cars that are on this road. The the people who are driving over here, they're the ones we care about. These guys over here, they can just submit to the will of the cars over there. We don't really care about them. We only care about the people driving on this road. That's not the point of a yield sign, right? The point of a yield sign is for the safety of everybody driving, that these guys don't pull into traffic and we have an accident and, and uh, it's just bad. Okay, so we have this yield sign there so that everybody is safe. And the same thing is true when we talk about submission here in Scripture. When someone is called by God to submit to someone else, it's not necessarily because they are better or worse they're, they're greater or inferior. It has nothing to do with their standing, but rather it's for the unity and the harmony of everyone involved. So this morning, because Scripture says it, we will focus on submission and we will focus on why a wife should submit to her husband. Now, men, singles, Children, before you start to get super comfortable and turn off your hearing aid and take a nap because you think I'm going to be pointing the finger at all the wives this morning and say, you need to do some submitting, okay? Don't get too comfortable because the majority of this passage is going to talk to all of us this morning. When we look at the word wife in our passage today, we're going to look at two different groups of people, and I brought a couple of pictures which represent those two different groups of people. So let's throw that first picture up there. All right, does anyone know who that is? Anybody? Kate Middleton, okay, so she, who is Kate Middleton? That's right. <laughs> yeah, she's the Duchess of Cambridge. She is the future queen consort of England. Okay, when we think of wife, we think of something like that, like it's a bride, right? So the, the wife of a husband, and we are going to talk about that this morning, but not until we get to the very last point in our message this morning where we are talking about a wife submitting to her husband. So we'll talk about a wife as bride, but before we get to that, we're going to talk about a wife in context with our second picture. So let's throw that up there. Okay, yeah, so the wife is the church, and I'm not talking about the building, but the people of God. In Scripture, the church, not the building again, but rather the people of God are described as the wife of Christ. So as we come to the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation, we get a picture of what eternity looks like, and there in that picture is a party. It's a description of a party, and no party is complete without food, and so we have it. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. We see that the bride, which is the church, and the groom, which is Christ, are there. And I want to read from Revelation 19, 6 through 8, of the description of the marriage supper of the Lamb. It says, Hallelujah, the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, the Lamb, of course, being Jesus Christ, and His bride, the church, has made herself ready. It was granted to clothe her with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. So this, this morning for our first three 
points in the message that deal with the word wife, we're going to be talking about the church. We're going to be talking about the people of God. So church, bride of Christ, true disciples, people of hope, hear the reasons that Scripture says from Ephesians 5, a wife should submit to her husband. So first, wife, submit to Christ because He is Lord. We see that at the end of verse 22. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. The implication there is that submitting to your husband is submitting to the Lord, which we will get to in a second, but as we recognize the fact that we, the church, are the bride of Christ, we recognize our need to submit to Him because of His place as Lord over our lives and Lord over our church. Now, if you've been a part of the church for any amount of time, you've heard God referred to as Lord many times. And we won't get into all of the different Greek and Hebrew words which are translated into English as our word Lord, but it is important for us to understand here from Ephesians 5 as we talk about the word Lord, what we're talking about since we don't live in a society which interacts very often with lords and nobles and those kind of things. But when we see the word Lord here in Ephesians 5, we could very easily replace it with the word master on the high end of things, which is certainly the implication that we're talking about with Jesus as Lord in our life, or even on the lower end of things with just the word authority. So someone who is master over us or someone who has authority over us, both true with Jesus. Either way, the implication there is that because He is Lord, we need to then submit to His authority. We need to submit to His preeminence over us when we say Lord. So when we say Lord, we're saying you are here and we are here and we submit to you. But what does that look like in a practical sense? How do we submit to Jesus when we say Jesus is Lord? What does our submission look like? First Peter 5, 6, it's on your sermon outline this morning. It says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so at the proper time He may exalt you. So it is putting ourselves into a position of humility and saying, God is Lord, and we are not. So bride of Christ, submission to Jesus as Lord means we humble ourselves enough to say, it's not my way, it's not my needs, it's not my wants, it's not my will, but rather the will and the plan and the ways of the Lord God. And Jesus gave us an example of what that looks like in a practical sense when he went to the Mount of Olives the night before he was crucified, and he prayed to God, and he said, God, take this away from me, but not my will, but yours be done. So we notice there that Jesus really didn't want to go to the cross, right? Because it wasn't an easy thing for him to do. There was no point where Jesus said, tomorrow I get to go to the cross. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for the pain that awaits me. I'm so excited that I will be mocked and beaten. I'm so excited that tomorrow I get to die. That was never there, okay? But he submitted to God's plan. He said, God, I'm going to obey. I'm going to submit to what you have for me. So submission then is not really submission if it's something that we want to do or something that is easy for us to do, but rather it is submission when 
It is God's will. And we just, it's hard, but we do it anyway. So submission looks an awful lot like obedience when we submit to Jesus as Lord. So if I, I put out dinner on the table for my kids and there was vegetables there, I said, hey guys, how about we just do away with the vegetables tonight and we replace that with candy? It would not be submission for them to say, yes, Dad, we submit to your great will for our life tonight of getting rid of the broccoli and replacing it with the Snickers. No, but it is submission when I say, eat your broccoli, because they don't like the broccoli, okay? But that's, that's submission, and that's what it looks like to submit to God as Lord. So, wife, submit to Christ because He is Lord. He is master. He is our authority. He has preeminence over us. Secondly, wife, submit to Christ because He is head of the church. So look back again to Ephesians 5, verse 23. It says there, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, His body. So what does Paul mean when, here when he says head of the church? He means leader or overseer. You'll see with, with each step here, we take a step closer relationally. So, so Jesus is Lord, and then now He has become head. He personally is overseeing and leading our church, leading our lives just like we might have a head of state or a head of a department or a head of operations in a company, someone who actively oversees the different things that are under him or her, they are in a position of leadership. Jesus is as head over us. So it's important that we not only see him as master or authority, that he has preeminence over us, but also that we see that he is head, that he is in a position over us, that He oversees us, and He leads us. So submission then is also necessary because of the position that He has been placed over us. And there's an illustration that is used there in that passage, and it's used throughout the entire New Testament, that if Jesus is the head, who are we? Say it out loud. We are the body, yes. We follow where the head leads. Where the head goes, the body goes. Listen to what it says in Ephesians 1, 20 through 23. If you're in Ephesians, you can turn back there to chapter 1 and follow along. So Ephesians 1, 20 through 23, it says there, God worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So we see the position where He is. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body. So church, what does it mean if we are the body and Christ is the head? What does it mean for us to submit then to the head? It means we yield to his leadership and his oversight. We recognize that his position is head over the church. The arm doesn't get to decide where the body goes. It's the head that decides where the body goes. We can't make decisions personally or corporately that go against where the head is going or where the head is telling us to go. 
Not because they are difficult, not because we don't want to do them, not because society is heading in a different direction. We follow the lead always of the head. Now, just in a practical sense, what happens when you disconnect a head from its body? There's death, right? Okay, you've heard the phrase, running around like a chicken with its head cut off. Maybe you've even experienced this phenomenon. Okay, what does that mean, running around like a chicken with its head cut off? It means reckless, right? Crazy, doing things that are... But, but practically, when you cut a chicken's head off, it may run around for a few seconds crazily, but it's temporary, right? What's the end result? That chicken's going to die. I heard a crazy story, a chicken lived like a number of years without a head, but I think that's not the norm. <laughs> okay, yeah, so when we disconnect ourselves from the head in what we do... There is only death. So wife, submit to Christ because He is the head of the church. Thirdly, wife, submit to Christ because He is Savior. So again, back to Ephesians 5, again back to verse 23, it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, His body, and is Himself its Savior. Again, we've moved relationally closer. Now, for me and for many people in the church, calling Christ and living as if Christ is my Savior comes much easier than living as if He is my Lord, living as if He is my head, because Savior is such a gigantic leap relationally for my benefit when I look at it that way. So when, when Christ lived as my Savior, when He lived out the consequences in His own life of being my Savior. He humbled Himself of the benefits of lordship and headship so that I could have a relationship with Him, a relationship with the Father, forgiveness of my sins, an eternal future with Him. So submitting to Him as Savior seems like, well, that's, that's a no-brainer. That's easy. I get all the benefits of that. I get His forgiveness. I get life. Savior means that Jesus is my deliverer. He delivers me from my sins and the punishment of my sins. Savior means that Jesus is my preserver. He preserves for me life, abundant life now, and eternal life to follow. So we not only submit to Christ because of His preeminence, He is Lord, His position, He is head, but also for His provision he is Savior of the church. But what does that look like for me, for you, to practically to submit to Jesus as Savior? I want you to listen to what it says in Galatians 2.20. It says there, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me." So submitting to the Savior means that we view what He has done for us, and then we then live in a certain way in view of what 
he has done. I think it says it really well in Romans 12, 1, which says, by the mercies of God, or I really like how the NIV says it, in view of God's mercy. So we're looking at God's mercy, and then it says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So we submit to the Savior by turning away from the lifestyle and the sins and the attitudes that we had before because those lifestyles and those sins and those attitudes are the things that Jesus came to die for. So because He saved us from those things, we then turn away from those things, and that's what submission to the Savior looks like. We live a holy life in view of the mercy and the grace that God has given to us. In other words, we can't keep on sinning and claim that we have submitted to Christ as Savior. So, wife, submit to Christ because He is Savior, because He is head, because He is Lord. Now, the part that all you ladies have been waiting for this whole time, Travis, just get on with it. Tell us how we can better submit to our husbands, right? I know. I'm getting there. So we will transition at this point from talking about the wife as the bride of Christ to the wife being the helper of her husband. And so our last reason is wife, submit to your husband because he is head of the household. So look back again to Ephesians 5, back in verse 22. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Then in verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. The point that Paul is making here is that the wife should submit because of the position that God has placed both parties in. Not because the husband is greater or smarter or more talented or a better decision maker or a better parent or a harder worker or is better with money or is better looking because perhaps the wife wins in every single one of those categories. And the wives are like, amen. It only has to do with God's plan for what marriage should look like. It says that the husband is the head of of the wife. Headship is not a dictatorship or a lordship. It is loving leadership. That's what it should look like. So when we see that the husband is the head of the wife or husband is the head of the household, it means that God has made a plan to put him in a position of loving leadership for the benefit of the entire household, a position that carries the weight of the success of the relationship a position that carries the responsibility for the spiritual growth of the family, a position where he is called to love his wife deeply, sacrificially, and unconditionally. We see that in verse 25. A position that holds all of the consequences before God if there should be a failure in the marriage. Now, are all husbands living out this responsibility of relational growth and familial spiritual growth and marital love perfectly? Ladies, are they? Louder? Okay, thank you. Now, in fact, I could pretty confidently say no, no husband is. Certainly, there are relatively good husbands, 
There are not so good husbands. There are even terrible husbands. But none fall in the category of perfect husbands, which makes that command for the wife to submit to her husband all the more difficult. And in fact, it's sometimes impossible. Now, I can imagine that a wife might say, and maybe some of you are thinking this morning, if my husband was perfect, if he loved me unconditionally and sacrificially, if he gave up everything for me, if he was patient with me, if he was always joyful, always loving, he, he was just perfect in every way, yes, then I would willingly, regularly, consistently submit to his leadership. That's great. Glad to hear that. A couple problems, though, with that. First problem is your husband's not perfect. Okay? It's an unrealistic expectation for husbands to be perfect and to always be loving. It's just not going to happen because, sorry, we guys, we fall short. Amen, ladies? Amen? Amen? Yeah? You can be more excited about guys falling short. Now, husbands, that's no way a statement to say that we are off the hook. Sorry, nobody's perfect. Just not going to love you well. It's not what I'm saying. And that's not what Ephesians 5 says. So Ephesians 5.25 says, Love your wives as Christ loved the church. It's a high expectation for us. So I would say, husbands, make it easier on your wives to follow your leadership by loving her sacrificially. Like I said, it's, it's so much easier to submit to Christ as Savior who humbly gave of Himself for us and say, sounds good, I submit to you, than it is for us to, to submit to a dictator. But still, ladies, even if your guy is striving for perfection and how he loves you, he will fall short. And the, the other problem with the, well, if he was perfect, then I would submit is I don't by it even if he was perfect. And you know why? Because wives aren't perfect either. Guys, this is your one chance. Can I get an amen? All right, one guy. The rest of you are smart. Wives fall short just like husbands do, and the evidence that even a perfect husband would not matter-of-factly lead to a submissive wife is right here today. Christ is the perfect husband, and we are the wife that regularly chooses to not submit to Him. He's always loving. Christ is always patient. He's always giving, and yet we still struggle consistently to submit to Him. Now, if we struggle consistently to submit to Christ, without a doubt we will struggle to submit to those that Christ has put over us who are not perfect like He is. So, with all that said, what does it mean, practically, for a wife to submit to her husband? It doesn't mean that the husband is always right, does it? Anybody? Well, husband's not always right. I heard of a story of a husband who tried to quote Ephesians 5.24 to convince his wife to have their marriage bed shared with another woman because wives should submit to their husbands and everything. That's not what it means. If submission to our husband means, matter-of-factly, not submitting to God, then God should win every single time. 
Submission doesn't mean that the wife has no input in the marriage or in family decisions. In fact, there are many, many things that my wife knows much more about than I do, is much more experienced than I am, and so I submit to her knowledge and her experience. Submission doesn't mean that the wife is a lesser person in the marriage or in life because a woman is equal to a man in every way before God. Jesus befriended women and men. Jesus shared the gospel with women and men. Jesus came to die for women and men. Scripture says that God does not show favorites between women and men. Don't buy into the lie that because the Bible says here in Ephesians 5 that wives should submit to their husbands, that that somehow Christianity is putting down women. The fact is, where Christianity has spread, the freedom of women and women's equality has quickly followed. Where Christianity is outlawed, so are women's rights. Where Christians are being mistreated and persecuted, so are women. Christianity is pro-women. The church is pro-women. God is pro-women. Also, don't buy into the lie that gender is somehow a societal invention, a state of mind that there's no difference between men and women. No, God created man and woman independently and differently. Women were not created to do everything that men can do. They were created to do everything that men can't do. Okay, women were created to be the helper for the men, to do everything that the men couldn't do on their own. Do you know in the creation story, God created the heavens and the earth, and He looked on it and He said, it is good. He created the light and the darkness, and He looked on it and He said, it is good. He created the birds and the fish, and He looked on it and He said, it is good. He created the land animals, and He looked on them and He said, it is good. And then He created the man. And ladies, listen to this. He created the man, and then He said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will create a helper fit for him. God's perfect creation was complete when He made the woman. The woman was never inferior or unimportant. The the woman was never lesser than the man. In fact, creation was incomplete until the woman was there. So what does submission in marriage mean then? Submission in marriage is difficult, just like in many other ways in which God calls us to submit in our lives. But still, He is Creator God, so we submit to the plan that He has for marriage. Colossians 3.18 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. That word there in Colossians 3.18, fitting, is the same word that is used all the way back in Genesis. I will make a helper fit for him. This is God's plan from the very beginning. His perfect plan goes all the way back to the creation of what marriage should look like. One man And one woman committed to each other and only each other, submissive and obedient to the Lord God with the the husband as a loving leader and the wife as a yielding equal. You hear that, guys? You hear that, ladies? Yielding 
equal, loving leader. Perfect picture of submission comes right at the very beginning of marriage when the wife gives up her last name as she enters into the marriage. There's a sign there of submission. Now, is that to say that the husband's last name is so much better, that the husband is so much more important that she takes his name? No, it's, it was created for the unity of the family, right? So that the kids could have the same last name. And I'm not downplaying you if you didn't take your husband's last name, okay? But that's a picture there. So what does submission then look like in a practical sense? Submission is not something that is coerced or commanded or demanded by the husband. It is a wife's voluntary act to say, I honor you and I respect you in the leadership role that God has called you into in our marriage. In the same way that a husband loving his wife is not something that is forced or ordered or challenged, it is something that the, wife volu- or the husband voluntarily does for his wife. He loves her because she is his wife. Now, is submission easy? Is it? Anybody? Bueller? Submission's not easy, definitely not. But if God has put someone in a leadership role over us, that's exactly what we are called to do. So, wife, bride of Christ, submit to Christ because of His preeminence. He is Lord. Wife, body of Christ, submit to Christ because of His position. He is head. Wife, Church of Christ, submit to Christ because of His provision. He is Savior. And wife, faithful and godly helper to your husband. Follow God's perfect plan. Submit to your husband because he is head of the household. Nobody walked out. It's fantastic. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your Word, which gives us direction in every area of our life, our church, and our world. God, in a society which is constantly redefining terms and lessening the importance of the covenants that You created, we are thankful for the truth spoken in Your, entire, in your inspired Scripture. We pray that we wouldn't get caught up following the continually changing stands of the world that are blown and tossed by the waves of every new teaching but remain firm on the unchanging Word of God. Help our marriages to be examples in that they are faithful, long-lasting, and honoring to You. We pray these things in the great name of Jesus Christ. Amen.